listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. Pastor Nathan here. It is a joy, an honor, and a pleasure to spend this last Bible study of 2020 together with all of you. Wherever you're joining us from, your living room, your kitchen table, wherever you're joining us from, we are honored to have have you with us. Feel free to comment. You can ask questions in the comments. I'll try to answer any questions and say amen and whatever you can do online. I guess it's thumbs up online. Um, I want to talk to you for a little while in an effort to make a passage of Scripture live. I recently had a moment where my wife asked me about a story. We were driving, and she asked me about a story in the Bible. And actually, she asked me about a character, and and I was trying to tell her. And she knew uh, about the character in general. Uh, She grew up memorizing Scripture and probably could quote it at least as much as me, probably more of the individual's actual words, but she had she didn't understand the story because behind every biblical book, uh, <laughs> behind every Bible character, there there's a story that places that character in time and in place. In the same manner that you right now are living in time and place, and it's not accidental, but but God placed you, God ordained you, and God is with you. In the same manner, you and I uh, live that way. All of the Prophets, priests, kings, preachers, apostles, all of them were in time and they had a specific mission that had been placed in their hands. And so when I begin to tell her the story, you know, we just had a little bit of church right there in the car and uh, she was like feeling the Holy Ghost, which just for my wife is not often. No, just kidding. (laughs) Uh, She was, you know, having chills and all this stuff, just understanding the story behind it. And she was like, you need to find a way to tell the stories. Uh, people have heard passages of Scripture, um, but you need to tell the stories. So I'm taking that to heart. Most of the best advice I've gotten in my life has been uh, through one way or another from my wife. And um, I've ignored her more than anyone else in my life. Anyway, I want to, I want to try to make something live for you and let it, if it can, catch your heart and your spirit in a manner where um, it's not just a story, it's not just biblical insight so much as it is a, a call, a challenge for your life, for you to implement in, in your life. Let me, let me start by telling you a story. Uh, recently in the mag- magazine entitled Comment, um, there's a lady who told of a, something that had happened to her. Uh, her name is Sally Lloyd-Jones. She's the author of the fairly popular Christian um, chi- ch- child's book. Um, it's entitled Jesus Storybook Bible for Children. And she is a, uh, she loves art. And she was visiting the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. And she said that she heard somebody in the, in the museum looking at some modern art, which if you don't know, maybe I should explain. Uh, modern art is, a lot of times, it celebrates being outside of the rules. Uh, it celebrates being outside of the traditions. And there oftentimes is uh, almost a strange gathering of colors, shapes, images, angles, 
perspectives, and all of that, in some ways, is uh, it's outside of the traditional artistic uh, rules of technique and and the like. Um, and so uh, sometimes modern art can be uh, easy to mock. Um, and she heard someone say, and uh, she said that they were looking at a 20th century American abstract painter, and the child didn't, I mean, excuse me, the person looking at the picture didn't like it, and the person said, my child could do that. And uh, she, uh, herself, as an artist, um, she said that uh, that was said about her, she would take it as a compliment. Now, why, why would she take it like a, a compliment? Well, children don't have technique, and so they have to go to pure expression. Um, they haven't learned uh, artistic style. They haven't learned pen strokes or brush, brush strokes. So when they draw something, it is pure expression. Uh, the rather famous artist Picasso said, it took me four years to paint like Raphael but a lifetime to paint like a child. And this is the point that uh, artists make about this. The power of a child's art is defined by what they can't do. Um, they don't let what they can't do stop them. And so it's pure expression. They know they can't do it in a perfect way. They know they can't do it, but as a result, their art is not about showing off skill or expertise. Their artistic efforts is coming from somewhere else. And this is what the artists would say. The, the drawing of a child is all heart, no technique. All heart, no technique. Um, a child is not physically able because of the fine motor abilities that they are developing as they grow. They are not physically able to master pencil or pen or paint, and they, just, they struggle to depict things. So every line they draw uh, has heart. <laughs> it's all heart. It's all pure expression. And the power of art that a child draws is not from their ability. Now, these aren't my words. These are the artists speaking. The power of their art is it's not from their abilities it's actually from their limitations. Now, when I read that, I immediately, you know, I'm a preacher. <laughs> I thought, oh my goodness, that is exactly, that is exactly the challenge of being a person of faith. That, that exact illustration is what it's like to strive to be used of God, to strive to be a light in a dark world, to strive to have your prayers make a difference. Don't you want your prayers to make a difference? I know I do. Uh, to strive to be a blessing upon the people in your world. Do you want to be a blessing on your world? I know I do. Um, to strive to manifest the heart of God to a broken world. Um, to, to make a difference. To have it all uh, mean something. Um, to get beyond self-centered Christianity where my primary motive is that I'm saved. Um, that's not wrong, but that's just an entryway. That's not the heart of it. That's just a beginning. Um, it's not about you saving you. God, through faith, is doing the work for you, and he's inviting you not simply to celebrate what you've received, 
but to go and manifest his heart to the people in your world. And so uh, I don't know how to do that. You don't know how to do that. Um, I don't know how to uh, teach a Bible study that impacts people's lives and hearts. Um, I don't know how to do it. I I wish I did, but I do not know. It's not a formula. There's not a book you can read somewhere. Um, I don't know how to build a church. I, I, I don't know. I, yes, I've pastored many years and my whole life has spent studying these things, but I do not know how to build a church. Um, in fact, I stopped trying to build a church and I, I've started trying to build people. <laughs> I, I've come to believe that if I can build people, then God can build the church. Um, these are statements of confession. Uh, we don't know how to make a spiritual difference. We strive, we try, we pray, but we are defined by our limitations, and that's exactly the way God intended it. That's why this New Testament language, uh, not just New Testament, Old Testament too, that in our submission comes our authority, and in our surrender comes our empowerment, in our weakness comes Christ's strength. Uh, We shouldn't just hurry past that. We should think about that. The child draws in spite of the fact that he or she doesn't have technical knowledge. They draw from the heart. You and I, as believers, as ministers, as prayer warriors, if you feel as though Um, you've been called to praying for people. Um, We cannot be defined by our talents. I know this is the experience most of us have. If you can sing, well, then we get you to sing. If you can preach, then we get you to preach. But we cannot look at ourselves and ask ourselves, do I have the technical capacity to do this, that, or the other? Um, That is, that's like a, That's like a child saying, I'm not going to do art because my art isn't as pretty as an artist's, a professional. No, it has to be from from the heart and speaking spiritually. The power of the supernatural expression in a world in which we live in is in some way birthed by that act of spiritual surrender, that confession of individual weakness, when we've come to the end of ourselves and we're in the backside of the wilderness and we've given up, then a burning bush appears and God sends us on mission. As long as we think we have the solution, we're like, we're like Moses uh, slaying a taskmaster in Egypt and then running for our lives. How, why didn't that work? I felt sure I had a, I had a good plan. Uh, no, somehow, working when it's all heart, praying when it's all heart, when we aren't technically proficient, that is in some way a birthing process of God's power, the supernatural dimension in this world in which all of us live. So uh, let me tell you a story here about Uh, a pastor who had been very, very, very successful and had built a lot of churches. 
um, he he had such a strong influence that he actually trained other pastors and they uh, they would go out and they would build churches they would uh, you understand what I'm saying they would make a difference where they were and so the the result of all this um, was there was a church started um, by one of these men who had been sent out under the ministry of a very successful pastor, leader, apostle, prophet, all the gifts of the Spirit worked in him. And he heard about this church, and he knew that this church uh, was going to have a difficult time. If you can imagine hearing about somebody trying to start a work somewhere, and your heart immediately goes out to them, um, you think, my goodness, that's just not going to be an easy place. You think, ah, oh, man, that's a rough road to walk. That's a difficult road to hoe. <laughs> um, that's what happened uh, with this pastor. Uh, he, he had never known these, these people in this church. Uh, he just knew where they were, and he knew uh, how they had come to the gospel. That's all he knew. But he had a heart for them, and he... He knew the city they were in um, was filled with competing philosophies. Now, all in this region of the world, all the cities uh, would have different temples and different philosophies, but, but some cities became known as centers of, of philosophy. And the city this church had been founded in was, was very much known as a city of uh, competing religious and competing philosophical ideas, and a lot of uh, a lot of acceptance, a lot of tolerance for all these different ideas. Think of it as a type of religious or philosophical melting pot. And so he he had never been there. He had he had never taught these people himself, and he was worried about whether or not whether or not they would they would make it as a church. Um, it wasn't a perfect. Time. It wasn't a perfect generation. There's a lot of struggle going on, and he worried about them. And so he, he decided he would write this letter to them. And he decided that he would, he would try to encourage them at a, at a distance, knowing, knowing what, what was going on there. And so he, he wrote him a letter. And he started out by saying, look, I'm, I'm so excited about what God's doing there for you. I, I don't know you guys. You don't know me. Um, I know the I know the young man that 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 preached the gospel there, and he's a great young man. But I, you guys haven't known me. But I want you all to know that I love you, and I'm praying for you. I want you all to know that I, to the best of my ability, are fighting for you. I'm fighting for you, and I want you to stay focused on Jesus Christ. I want you to to let that be the the heart of your gospel, that focus upon Jesus Christ, because it's, it's really through him that we have, we have any access to God. It's through him that we have access to truth. Uh, it's through him that we have grace. So if there's any good things happening there, um, it is through Jesus Christ. And so I know you guys don't know me, and I don't know you. Um, and I know that city, there's a lot of competing philosophies where you live, and a lot of different ideas there. But I want you guys to stay, stay, keep your focus on, 
on uh, Jesus Christ. Um, further, uh, there's people who are going to tell you that you don't belong. There's people who's going to tell you that you don't fit. Uh, there's people going to tell you that you're getting everything wrong. You don't know how to be a Christian. There's going to be people who tell you that you don't know um, the path to God. There's going to be all these voices. And they're all going to be telling you that you're doing it wrong. You either don't belong, uh, that this isn't for you. Or if it is for you, the only way you can be accepted is if you, is if you will, as it were, add these particular technical things to your worship. And if you, you won't do that, then um, you're, going to, you're going to really miss out on what real Christianity is. I, I, want, you, I want you to avoid all that. Um, I want you to, I know there's great conflict, and I want you to know that I'm fighting that you would be accepted as believers. I want you all to know that I'm fighting as hard as I can um, to make sure that there's room in the church um, for you. And I want to I accept and I want to acknowledge and I want to admit that there's a lot of mystery. There's a lot of things that we don't seem to know with clarity. Um, there's a mystery in the story of Jesus and... Um, it would be easy to kind of just brush away, brush it all away, but um, here's the thing. Everything that is of God's treasure, every promise, every great work, every supernatural demonstration, everything of, 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 of great understanding of great knowledge of majesty of God or spiritual glory it's all in Jesus Christ and I want you to keep Jesus at the center of what you are trying to do I want you to walk in that understanding um, there, there's going to be people that they want you to follow this set of, of rules because that's all they know and to them, that's the only way to please God. Um, then there's going to be other people who, they think you're silly because you believe in a personal God. And they're going to laugh at you and mock you. And um, So here's the thing. Uh, I want you to ignore all of that. And I want you to believe that Jesus Christ has changed everything for you. And I want you to believe that every good gift, every miraculous demonstration of God, every glorious supernatural intervention of God, that's all in Jesus Christ. And whatever one group says about, well, you have to do this, 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 and this, just let that be what it is. And whatever group says, well, you're silly because you think this, ignore all that. And let your life be founded in Jesus Christ. Don't let people judge you over uh, food and drink or over festivals or new moons or Sabbaths. Um, all that stuff is just stuff. The substance that you need to be concerned about is in Jesus Christ. Um, 
don't get caught up in people who pretend to be humble or pretend to be mighty or come with some formulistic plan where if you worship an angel, then you'll get what you want. Um, they're all puffed up in their flesh or puffed up in their mind and um, they're missing the main thing. Um, this is what I want you to do. I want you to let Jesus Christ, what he has done for you, what he is doing for you, and what he has promised you. I want that. I want you to let that be the heart of your gospel. I know you don't know me and I don't know you, but don't get distracted from that. Let Jesus, his promise, let his sacrificial, redemptive work at Calvary, let that be what you build your life on. So what I just told you is the story of the Apostle Paul uh, writing to uh, the Colossian church and appealing to them uh, not to get sidetracked. He had never met them himself. He knew they had tremendous things against them. Uh, he knew that on one hand they had Jewish people saying that they couldn't be Christians because they um, transgressed ceremonial rules um, and other things and on the other hand, he had uh, Greek philosophers. He knew the Greek philosophers uh, telling them that their idea of a personable God was, was ridiculous. And he said, look, I'm so excited for what God's doing there. And I know you don't know me, and I don't know you. But I'm writing an appeal to you, and I'm asking you to keep Jesus at the heart of your gospel. Don't get turned and distracted. And so uh, I want to reflect this beautiful uh, demonstration of Paul's heart to this generation. I want to reflect it to all of us. Whatever's going on in your life, uh, whatever good, bad, don't let that, don't let that in some way turn your attention from the heart of this thing, the essence of this thing, the core of this thing is that Jesus loves you and Jesus made provision for your forgiveness and your redemption. Uh, There'll be those who try to condemn you um, and there'll be times you probably need to be condemned. <laughs> there'll be those who laugh at you and I'm sure there's times we all look silly. Don't let that be the reason why you end your relationship with God. Let me modernize this. Okay, there will be difficult years. We've lived through one. Don't let that moderate your passion for Jesus Christ. Uh, there will be times when... Uh, what you wanted to have come to fruition, that's what came to fruition and everything's well. Uh, that's all good. Don't let that be a distraction. There'll be times when you feel condemned. There'll be times when you feel foolish. Don't let that, don't let that stop you. Keep Jesus at the center, at the core of your heart. That is the heart of the gospel. And so I want, to, I want to speak to all of us with that same, that same challenge. Let's keep the great work, the, the tremendous accomplishment of Jesus Christ, that redemptive hope that he has become our Passover sacrifice. Let's keep that in view. And everything else that comes, everything else that goes, everything else that's good, bad, you get the idea. Let all that kind of 
stay in its place. At the heart of this is Jesus Christ. Not whether or not someone condemns you or praises you. You'll be both condemned and praised if you do anything. If you don't do anything, well, then you'll be ignored. But if you try to do anything, you'll be both condemned and praised. Let all that just fade and keep centered in your life this, this, core, this, this core truth. If you'll focus on Jesus, in Him is all mystery, in Him is all power, in Him is all victory, in Him is the sustaining power that you and I need, in Him is the hope we have of resurrection, in Him is all the fullness of God completed It's all in Him. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us keep our mind and our heart focused upon you in this this time. Uh, I pray that we would not be distracted. We would not not be turned away from hope, but that we would see our hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One last thing I want to say, as spiritual ministers, you will in many, many times and in many cases talk to people who give you a whole list of reasons why uh, they're not coming to church or, or why something didn't work out or why they're mad at the preacher. Or, uh, this, is, this is the human story and we're all, you know, we're all a part of it. Um, we need to do what Paul uh, did and continually be speaking to people. Whether If we know them, if we don't know them, speak this to them. Let Jesus be the center of everything that you're doing. Don't get distracted in the other stuff. All that fades. Jesus is the center of what we're doing. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you Sunday. It's going to be a great day. God bless you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.